Welcome to Doing Good Business, the podcast where personal and professional development meet. I'm Laura Heacock, a leadership coach and talent acquisition consultant, and I'm joined every week by my co-host, Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, training you to bring positive business practices into any company. Doing Good Business is the podcast that teaches you that doing good business is not only possible, it's profitable. Welcome back to the second half of the Doing Good Business Live podcast event. We are going to pick up right where we left off and finish up the Q&A with our amazing panel and let you hear some of the brilliant questions that our audience had for the panelists. So we hope you enjoy and stay tuned for more live Doing Good Business podcast events. Have a great day. So Kelly taught me that you can plan for anything. And I think, you know, you guys specifically mentioned the benefits Diana did and hope I know you guys play. It's 100%, right? Mm -hmm. The benefits. And, you know, in this era where companies are scaling back and paying less and making it more challenging to have benefits, you can plan for anything. So if in 2020 you want to increase the contribution, you start planning for it now. If in 2021, maybe 2020 is too soon, but you can plan for anything. So you can plan to reduce your spend. You can plan to have a great culture. You can plan to recruit differently, but you can plan for anything. Absolutely. And, And it has those benefits. And so we're talking a lot about what's working for you all and, um, and I can't remember whose question this was. Probably mine. It, it does. It does kind of sound <laughs> sounds like, like a Laura question. question. So, but I'm going to ask it. Um, See what I did there, Cal? Uh, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to ask it. So, um, what hasn't worked for you? What have you tried in terms of culture that hasn't worked for you? Um, some of those stepping stones. Maybe I think Jim is. I think that's what you called them. You know, you have to see them as stepping stones on a path, right? And not every stepping stone is stable or get you to where you wanted to go, but it's still instructive. So maybe you can share, whoever wants to share with our, uh, our I got group one here. Real quick. All right. It's a quick story. So um, back in 2004, um, we were ranked the second best place to work in the state of Pennsylvania <laughs> under the contest. So we all decided uh, that we wanted to be number one, right? Obviously, that's what you want. So we tried really, really hard the next year, and we came in fifth. And then we tried really hard the following year, and we came in 14th. Oh. And then we came in the following year, we came in 23rd. We said, let's, let's, <laughs> let's skip that. Oh we, we can't afford to have slides or give free lunch. Or, uh, we're, we're painters. So at the end of the day, we have to focus on culture and not so much on, on you know, things that would be more materialistic that you would mm. give to your employees. Because we really can't compete with, with that in our marketplace. But culture is mm-hmm. free. Right. And so, um, and then as I mentioned, we, we sort of changed our approach. We don't need to be number one in, we need to be the number one painting contractor, um, but we can't be the number one um, best place to work because we just don't have that, um, those resources available to us. Um, and so we just got to have a healthy attitude about it now. So I thought I'd just share that, that failure story. Um, yeah. And by the way, you know, failure is a really good thing because you learn from it. Yes. And that was a valuable experience mm-hmm. for us. So that's why, and you bring up a great point, you know, this is why we assembled this panel. We wanted to have different perspectives. You know, we wanted to have companies that pay all of the health insurance. We wanted to have companies that have, you know, typically high turnover types of employees because, you know, all of you have different kinds of organizations and it's important to know, of course, you can do these wonderful things when you're, you know, a very lucrative company financially and you can do it even if you're not. You can achieve these goals. Turns out by not trying, turns out by trying, you actually (laughs) slid way down. But, you know, when you just actually focus on the culture. Hey, there you go. Number one. So thank you. 
Any other fun failures? I think that speaks to the authenticity part of it. Yeah. You just have to be who you are, right? And what Abe, Abe Lincoln, well, whatever you are, be a good either, one. either because it's real. And right. I, I tell a story to our employees all the time because mm-hmm. it's a real story. Yeah. And um, there's nothing phony baloney about it. And I think that's important. Love it. Um, so it's interesting because uh, you, you, what your quote you just said, uh, be who you are. Well, <laughs> um, the reality is, is we're a company who um, uh, all comes to work in a 1800s farmhouse uh, that is very unconventional. We're in the Bluebell Norristown area. We are not in Philly. Um, and we are not looking for uh, funding to grow huge. We want to operate at the size we are, um, adding a couple of employees here and there, but we're not looking to become a huge organization. Um, and so if you are looking for that, that may not be the right fit for you. And for a long time in certain um, areas, uh, specifically uh, really sales and marketing, which in SaaS is, it tends to be high turnover anyways, um, there was a, a goal to find uh, sometimes uh, young talent or just, you know, cutting edge. And, and then we realized, well, maybe we're just not that. Um, <laughs> when, when you start to see people leaving for a company that's going to be uh, VC-backed and um, they want that corporate atmosphere, they want to be in the city, the reality is that's not who we are and that's okay. Uh, and, and for us, it took us a while to realize that, that you have to just be who you are um, and realize you know, where you're located and, and what you're offering. Um, and, and it's really a value uh, f- for a lot of people who it fits, but then there's a lot of people who this just isn't right for them, and, and that's okay. Um, and it's better for us to, to put that out there in advance, uh, what our culture is, than have people come on board and then leave because it just isn't for them or, or they're really um, gunning for big promotions and, um, and, and things like that, so yeah. Thank you, Diana. And yeah. I think you just gave Laura and I a topic for um, our next event, which would be growing in place, because not every company needs to grow like bamboo. Mm. Some companies, you can just grow like the big, mighty oak. So thank you for that idea, too. I'll join too. you for that. Awesome. <laughs> so I think we're going to switch up to individual questions for our panelists that are specific to each of their businesses. So Hope, do you mind starting? All right, perfect. So good culture, we've obviously talked about in your role as a chief people officer, what have you seen as far as engagement? How has your culture boosted engagement in the company? You spoke a little bit about turnover and things like that, but what do you see in how people are showing up at work and how they're you know, completing their tasks and things like that that is result of culture? Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest result that we've had from a productivity standpoint really is that we're delivering on our commitments. So every two weeks, like I said previously, we're meeting our sprint commitments. Also from a community involvement now, we have a lot of team members that are saying, I'm involved in X organization, can we please do something? So there are a lot of team members now that are um, creating their own committees in essence and then engaging with other organizations and other team members are jumping on and doing that as well. The other thing that's really been interesting is that 
We've started an AWeber Academy where team members have certain personal passions and they're putting those passions out there for the team and then they're running internal classes for team members. So now we have um, sewing classes and we are going in, hopefully this summer we're gonna have a stargazing class. Um, we have beer brewing classes and these are we'll all- We'll be here for that. Yeah. <laughs> and I get my schedule. <laughs> These are all interests that the team members have, and what I think is so great about it is, is that they feel safe enough and secure enough to say, this is my interest, who else would like to learn about this? I'm going to do a class from 12 to one, or we have some team members now that we're 24 seven, they're coming in at 6 a.m. so that our third shift can take part in it. And team members are getting together, and they're doing home remodeling, and they're doing gardening, and unbelievable things. So from an engagement standpoint, it's been really fulfilling. And I think there would probably be a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, transfer skills there when you're talking about learning new things, opening up those new neural networks that would automatically apply to then what they're doing here. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a really, it's a, it's a double benefit to that. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So I'm up with the next question. So, um, Diana, this is your question. What are your company's values? If we spend a day or a week at your office, how would we know that WorkZone's living their, their values? Okay, so um, I think it's, it's, it's a good thought to think about, okay, well, what, what happens if you come in to, to interview with us and, and how is that different? Because it starts, truly it starts there. So first off, I said that we have a, a very old farmhouse that we're all working in. Um, and when you come in to interview, not only are you going to meet almost every team member, especially ones that are there that day, um, it's going to be very informal in, in a lot of ways. You will definitely speak with the CEO, which at a larger company isn't possible. Um, you'll have usually an interview, doesn't matter what level you're interviewing for, you'll, you'll talk with him. And, and usually it's the same kind of talk we're having today. It's about culture and the, the cultural fit um, and what really motivates them. And he always asks this question, if in a year or let's say three years or whatever, uh, um, your, your best friend or your spouse is, is sitting with you and they say, well, you seem really happy. What is it about about what you've been doing that is making you so happy what would you want your answer to be so just asking that question frames uh the mindset um from there you'll meet with multiple team members we take them out for lunch uh, we usually involve them in our thursday meeting if possible so that they can see what that's like uh, you really become part of the organization before you even get hired which is a big part of it um, we are a big fan of, of chat, like uh, Slack or whatever you choose to use. And even on there, you're going to see a book club. You're going to see um, a group of people who are working on employee engagement and volunteer stuff, um, getting everyone's opinion. Uh, the CEO will be asking everyone, well, what do you think of this new interface design? Uh, and, and everyone's giving open and honest feedback about what they think. Everyone's opinion matters, and, and that's really where you're going to see that you're part of a, a group and a community within our organization, um, and, and I think that's where it starts, is that 
really you can speak up, you can, t you can bring up anything, you can be curious, and uh, we'll listen. And we'll hear what you have to say and we'll talk about it because uh, your thoughts matter to us. If you're part of our team, you really do matter. Thank you. Thank you. Jim, seems like a good segue. Talk to us about trust. So why is trust important? How do you build it? How do you find folks that are trustworthy to bring into your culture? Mic up. Thank you. <laughs> I think I've answered some of this question um, in previous responses, and I will go back to looking in the mirror. I am such an incredible advocate of that, and I try to um, have others do the same thing because you can't. One of the reasons that our company name is called Cornerstone because I'm all about foundations. You know, never, never look too far back where you don't evaluate the foundation, the structure which you're establishing, and why. So I guess one way I look at trust is: Am I trusting myself to do good for others? Am I engaging them enough to understand what our culture is all about from the standpoint that I can't expect everyone to be as passionate? and uh, spend 24-7 in some ways about my business that I want to see as theirs. So when I do that, to build trust, I figure out any way I can to engage individuals into our workplace, expressing that the most valuable thing in anyone's life is their time. So I want to try to share with them that I appreciate them taking time out of their day, out of their life, in order to help build our business. And all that, that might sound a little cliche-ish, it's really my intent every day that I wake up is to try to figure out how can I engage individuals in such a way that they are passionate about spending time in our workplace so they can portray their passion even though it might not be health and fitness. It might be helping people, it might be artistic work, but they can share amongst themselves and when they leave their workplace for that, our workplace for that day, that they felt that they gave back as a result of the passion. And that's the only way I'm gonna be able to build trust. Absolutely. That's my way of earning trust because I don't feel like I can demand trust, regardless of the position you have. You don't need, you don't need a position to be a leader. You don't need a position to uh, earn trust. And that's the way I look at my position. I very rarely look at the fact that I'm founder, CEO, and president. I look at the fact that I provided opportunities for individuals to thrive in a way that they're passionate about doing something that interacts with what my overall vision is. So I don't know if that answered the question directly, but it's constantly trying to evaluate the time that I'm spending with someone that we can make it mutually beneficial. And as I said before, make it something bigger than ourselves. Mm. Wonderful answer. Awesome. You answered it very completely. Thank you. And Kevin, can you talk to us? You mentioned some of the community involvement that you do and um, in relationship to the culture building. So obvious benefits to the community. How, how does... How does your team feel about all of that? Uh, it's, I like to call it a triple win. Um, it's a win-win-win. Everybody's winning. Um, so uh, we sponsor about 250 events uh, a year. Um, it's about, it's about $100,000, $120,000, plus some uh, labor hours. Um, 
And we also give away a lot of painted for days, those two. So I don't know, it, it ends up being probably $150,000 a year that we're giving back. We're a painting company and we're giving this to the community. Um, but we give it in uh, relatively small donations, um, 250, $500, maybe $1,000 at a time. And we are able to touch a lot of folks. Um, and so like this past weekend, we sponsored five events. And so we, we show up at the events, uh, usually uh, two to three people. Uh, one of the events we had about, about 10 of us showed up. Um, these were, four of them were 5Ks. One of, um, and then one of them was a, um, no, that's next week. It was a uh, Earth Day. We, uh, we showed up with popcorn. So we show up with popcorn, Gatorade, water bottles, um, water. Um, and um, so we show up and we give it out for free. And uh, the popcorn bag has a 10% off coupon on it. It says recycle this bag for 10% off your next paint job. Uh, we've had people turn it in for up to a couple thousand dollars worth of uh, recycling, which is a good thing. Um, so my employees, um, they volunteer for this. They use uh, Sign Up Genius, which many of you have seen. Uh, it's a great program that we use to organize all of these events. Uh, my daughter Claire is the, uh, the manager of the Nolan the Neighborhood Initiative. Uh, we've committed to giving out a million dollars over 10 years. Uh, we're in our fourth year. We're well ahead of schedule. Um, but the, um, lots of things happen. Uh, so first off, uh, it really portrays us in a good light. Um, we, uh, we, get, we get a chance to uh, give something to people for free. Um, they take it and smile. We smile back at them. Um, and um, everybody starts to like us. Um, and we want to be liked, okay? No doubt about it. That's how you get customers. You're liked. Um, they like us on Facebook, too. Um, but we, if, so if you get, um, so if you get, if you get Nolan Penning to sign on board, um, we're like a powerhouse. Um, for that one race, there was 10 of us. We handled all the marshals. Uh, we raised $32,000. This was on Saturday. I was involved. Um, our trucks are out there. Everybody's wearing our logos. And it really portrays us in a good light. Um, and so now we're doing a cool thing. Every Friday, we're announcing on KYW what events we're doing. So not only do you get $500 from us, plus all the popcorn you could eat, uh, plus help and volunteerism, but you get mentioned on the radio as well. Um, it's just a win-win-win. And so now my employees, this, is a, this was really the question, how it all works out. So if you imagine that you're making um, whatever is considered to be a living wage, or maybe just above that, or even a little bit above that, you're, you probably don't have discretionary income to give away. So in many cases, the folks that are working for me have never given anything to anybody away. Not because they're stingy, but because they don't have anything in res any resources in excess that they can share or give away. And so now uh, they are connected to Nolan Painting, which is a big, big giveaway. And they are part of it. Um, they feel it. Um, and you all know that one of the major cures for, for depression um, is generosity. If you give and help somebody, it's pretty hard at the same moment to be depressed. It's just they, they almost can't exist at the same time in the brain at the same time. So um, my employees are getting that gift, uh, plus they're getting an hour PTO for each hour of volunteer. Um, so as you can see, it's just winning all the way around. Nolan Painting wins because uh, we get customers. Um, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, once people's basics Kevin, are met. Kevin, speak in my language. Yeah. <laughs> it's my language, Now too. Laura needs the papers. Yeah. <laughs> once the basic needs are met, people make valuative decisions about um, who they want to work in their home. And we're chosen more often than not. 
Um, sometimes people will say, you're a little bit more expensive, but boy, are you worth it. Well, I mean, value is what value is. Um, yeah, you can't do all the things that we do, pay a living wage, health insurance, 401ks, and all those things that we do, and, and do it on the cheap, okay? So, uh, but you gotta be fair price, you gotta be a good value. And I believe we have that uh, squarely. Uh, about 61% of the people that call us end up hiring us, which means that they're making an informed decision before they even pick up the phone. So I think it's working. I think it's working marvelously. I think marvelously. it's working. Yeah. And I know when you and I first met, you had said something. It was literally we had first met, so I don't know what your reaction was to my comment. But you had a, a quote from your father that it's about um, bringing... Yeah, Oh, bringing more than you take? Yeah, so my dad used to lend me the, the car. Um, I started my painting business out of his station wagon. And uh, every day um, I would drop him off at the train station and um, he would evaluate you know, how well I'd been taking care of the car. Um, and um, he had some simple rules. I want it to be cleaner than when you found it. I want there to be more gas in the tank. Son, I want you always to bring more value than you take. Right. And that has been the guiding, the guiding force for my life and for the way I've raised my kids. And that's when I said to him, I know we've just met, so is it too early for me to say I professionally love you? <laughs> Kelly's husband's in the audience, by the way, so I'm sure that's it's right. fine. But she knows, because he knows because I've already told him that. <laughs> All right, so we have one last lightning round question for everybody on the panel. So a quickie answer to this question, and then we'll open it up for a few minutes of Q&A from anybody in the audience that wants to ask anything of any of our panel members. So, Diana, would you start us off with our lightning round, which is, what is the smallest step, Kelly and I ask this on the podcast all the time, what is the smallest step that anyone can take right now to start to create a culture mindset in their own business? Um, I would say ask for, for honest feedback and take it graciously um, every time you get a chance um, and then just learn from that, from that feedback. Um, really, really listen to what your employees have to say, and, and it, that will guide you very quickly to what you should be doing. Thank you. Awesome. Oh, me? Uh, I would say assume positive intent. So Love if it. you assume positive intent, yeah. you're going to get that back. Jim? Jim Bishop. <laughs> Make sure you wake up every single morning with a clear head, look in the mirror, and just do the right thing. Uh, don't start the day off with any more negative things than you need to. Try to make it as clear as possible because um, that's what's going to really get your day set for who you really are. Thank you. Awesome. Kevin Nolan. I would say uh, do, your va uh, do a values exercise. Uh, find out what the values are of your employees um, and and make sure you can uh, articulate your own values um, and then have a conversation about it. Um, and then you'll find that uh, you'll, you'll pick out the good values that you want to guide your company with, and then you'll attract people that fit those values. Awesome. Can't ask for better than that. Awesome. Four great small steps yeah. everyone here can take, and our listeners None will be able to take. None of them cost anything, by the way. Like, just a heads up for mm -hmm. all of the great, amazing, financially backed things that we heard about culture today. None of those four things cost a dime. So, so audience, thank you. Yeah, and thank you all. And now it's audience participation time. So we asked, just because we are recording this for the podcast, there's a mic right over on the far corner. If anyone from the audience has a question, just make your way up. And I hope we've all emulated good micro microphone, microphone behavior. Etiquette. It's okay. <laughs> it's, don't be afraid of it. Sorry. 
Hi, Julia. Hello. Is this on? Could you introduce yourself for is this our on? Listeners? Can you hear me? Is it okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Julia Ellis. I work at Amerigas Propane. I've been there for about two and a half years. I actually work in the fraud department, but I am part of a few um, internal organizations like our Women's Impact Network and work on some special projects. So I thought it was important to come today and just try to learn. Um, my question is, we have our, our corporate headquarters location in King of Prussia. We have about 650 district locations throughout the country. With that dynamic, a lot of times I hear things like it's corp it's us versus them. Corporate is dictating down. Um, do you guys have any suggestions for perhaps the Women's Impact Network that I'm part of? I'm a lead uh, for our communications for that group. Just to try to change that mindset and Yes, I'm from the corporate headquarters, but like we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we all have the same goal. Um, so do you have any suggestions to kind of get away from that corporate is the evil <laughs> overlords versus them yes. mentality, yes. like field versus corporate? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Uh, I mean, I'm not nationwide like you guys are, but I know that... Um, if I have a problem like that, I would go confront it. I don't know how that's gonna happen with your scenario, but it seems to me like it's probably a communications issue. If it's us versus them, what are, what are the particulars? Like, what's the complaints? And what's, getting back to the values thing, what are the values of the company? What does it stand for? What's its intent? What, does it, what good does it wanna do in the world? And how is that communicated? Because I find that, um, that the voices of negativity obviously are so great that the voices of positivity have to be greater. Mm -hmm. So uh, repetition, repetition, repetition around mission, vision, values is, um, it, just, it just can't be overstated. You have to constantly repeat the positive messages to drown out the negatives. So uh, whenever there's any good, you have to just drown out the bad with it. So. I don't know where the messaging would come from or how you could get some positive messaging about what your company is doing and what it intends to do and what its mission is. But the more that can be communicated and the more often, uh, the more effective um, and more positive the environment will be. Awesome. So no. um, the last company I worked for was called the Rapid Learning Institute, and they did leadership and sales training uh, for co companies big and small all around the U.S. And so I heard lots of really cool stories about how leadership and even sales training was implemented. Um, one story that sticks out that I think could potentially help you is um, I think it was a, a bank of some sort that had locations all across the U.S. and um, they had an issue similar to yours where there was a disconnect. People didn't know who the person was uh, three states away that was dealing with the same issues that they're dealing with. And so uh, they needed to find a way to connect that communication. And with training, so often um, it's, it's not a priority, so people don't show up for training. And there's uh, oftentimes a lack of accountability. Um, and what they did was they actually partnered up people to co-mentor each other that were not in the same location. So they definitely needed to be in a different state. Um, and they were able to not only create that accountability because 
hey, if, if uh, my new friend uh, in, in Texas is coming to the training, that's an opportunity for me to reconnect. But also they uh, had weekly meetings where they checked in with each other, they asked each other questions, and they helped each other through problems. Sometimes they were in the same job, sometimes they were in... Uh, jobs that were a little different, but they could give each other advice. Um, and so through a women's program like you have, um, having them connect one-on-one, -on -one, because in reality, part of the issue is that as companies, we think, well, if we just say it, it'll come true. And that's really not the case. It's really about the one-on-one -on -one communication you have with somebody else and that link you have with them. And so uh, if you can create some of those links by just even connecting them with one other person that's not uh, in the same state as them, maybe it's somebody from corporate connecting with somebody outside, but there's that individual connection, that one-on-one -on -one connection that is not a management connection. It's, it's not a co-working connection. It's really about just supporting each other in your role. I think that would help. The grown-up version of the buddy system. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Because everything we needed to know about life we learned in kindergarten, right? It's Absolutely, true. Absolutely, yeah. It's true. And it reminds me of, I was going to bring up today, uh, we were talking about this one day, is uh, attachment theory, um, which is really a theory where to um, for kids to develop, they need an, a strong bond with one person. And as we get to adults, this doesn't go away. <laughs> right. In fact, um, our manager needs to become that person. And, and that's still that one-on-one -on -one connection. You have to be able to trust the person you're with to be able to develop in your career. And, and for things to sink in, you need to feel secure. And so this is where this comes in. You, you know, it, Maybe it's not the manager. Maybe management isn't doing what it needs to do. But you can do it for each other um, through strong bonds. Uh, I want to add one other thing to that, and that is in my past life, uh, when we had women's groups like that located across the U.S., what we had was each group had to come up with their list of intolerables, and then representatives from each group got on a video conference call, and then one list of intolerables, like one charter, was actually made. And that gave everyone the feeling that they had a voice in what those intolerables intolerables were. So it wasn't about corporate mandating something to the field. It was about the group coming up with what those expectations were and holding each other accountable. So that might help also. Any other questions? Andrew, would you mind going that way? Thank you. And if you would kindly introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Andrea Gabrelli, uh, Human Resources with Tower Health. And uh, 10,000 plus employees. And my question is, I, I probably for hope, the, the engagement survey where you got them to provide their name, was that a hurdle mm -hmm. to, to move yes. beyond that? Yes, it was a huge hurdle. It still is a hurdle. So um, we started with an anonymous feedback survey and we got to the point where we weren't really getting engagement and the feedback that we were getting was really poor. So what we did was is we really made an effort to train and inspire the team on how to give and receive feedback. So we helped them understand how do you give feedback and how do you get feedback. Uh, we did that for about two and a half years and then we started running the survey on an optional basis. So you could or you couldn't put your name in it. And once we had a few dry runs of that, then we said, okay, one of our commitments now within AWeber is, is we want you to stand behind your feedback. And we moved it to a fully non-anonymous survey. Perfect. Thank, thanks mm -hmm. for that. 
I love that. And that really ties into, you know, small steps. And we talk about that all the time. Like you can't just go from a fully anonymous survey to now everybody has to put their names on it and you're going to get called to the carpet and talk about your feet. No, it ha- there's a process behind it. So, you know, you can see the result and, and hope can speak about the result, but knowing that there's a process behind it, you know, let's take a gradual step. Let's make it, let's teach about feedback. Let's make it optional to put your name on it. And then we're going to move towards this destination. Yep. And one other thing to that is that even though it's a non-anonymous survey, now that the survey, so we, our last survey just ran, it closed on Friday. I ran all the results this weekend. I'm going to sit with our managers and I'm going to say to my managers, here's all the feedback. Here are the conversations or the feedback that was given to everyone who gave feedback. Please ask how we can improve now that they've shared that feedback or ask for more information. And for those who did not provide feedback, I would like you to ask, why did you feel as though you did not have some positive or constructive feedback to share? Because they shouldn't be able to just opt out, in my opinion, right? We're all in this together. So one we're way all or the adults. other, <laughs> yep, we're all in this together. So one way or the other, we're going to have a healthy conversation about it. Uh, I love that. And I think too, what it does, in addition to what Laura said about setting it up for the small steps, it also elicits that constructive feedback. And it doesn't happen in a vacuum. You're helping to make that happen. But what it's saying is, I think most people think survey critical feedback. You know, years ago, my mother worked in like a customer service role and she would complain all the time. I'm like, it's your job. Like nobody calls you up and says, that went really well. That was like, nobody, nobody did that at that time. So she was only getting the problems. And I understood psychologically that took a toll on her. But you know, there is the a place for constructive feedback. And a place for positive feedback. So I think the behaviors that we would all like to see in ourselves and in our in others, that's kind of helping to elicit that automatically, just that exercise. So I really love it. Thank you. Uh, we have one more question. Oh, Absolutely. Just, uh, what, yeah. what, is, what is your, uh, your, your, your uh, response rate? I knew you were going to ask me that right now. So right now we were at 78% response rate. For this. Yeah. So that's seventy eight percent with their there's names. There's a jaw on dropping mm-hmm. response. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that what do you and totally on the spot, but do you have any idea what your response rate was when it was anonymous? Do you know the comparison? We actually have a higher response that rate was now my that guess. we have that's so um, cool. team members because now they know that their feedback's being listened to, right? Because now I can go back or your manager can go back and say, How can we help and how can we make it better? Whereas before you didn't know where to start. So a lot of that feedback, even though we were listening, we didn't know how to make it better. Right. I would guess that here at AWeber, part of what's allowed you to do that is because you have a trust between your employees and the leadership here. Because I can imagine at some companies, let's say a 10,000 person company, you've got so many levels of supervisors and management where some of that that um, concern about what their managers feel about them could come into play. Is there anything like that you've had to overcome here at AWeber to, to, to get people to feel more comfortable in coming to you and sharing things? So, I mean, my opinion is, is that a trusting environment is only as strong as the frontline manager is creating that trusting environment. So, 
If that manager is managing by fear, you're not going to get anything from that department. And I think it's really, really important that we work through our managers to inspire that trust and empower our teams. And that's an ongoing challenge because often it makes people feel uncomfortable. And you know, sometimes it's hard to take that uncomfortable conversation. So we've worked really hard to say that if you are uncomfortable taking the conversation, ask someone to help you with that conversation. So you don't have to do it by yourself, but we want you to have that conversation. And the idea there is, is that maybe after the first two or three times, they're gonna feel more comfortable taking it on their own. They'll manage in a more trusting way. And then team members are going to feel more comfortable in sharing their thoughts. Well, you're, you're coaching people on how to deal with conflict. Mm -hmm. right. Because people don't know how to deal with conflict, but but you can learn how to deal with exactly. conflict. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's what yeah. you're teaching. It's just Excellent a skill. Point, Kevin. There's things so many people don't realize, oh, I don't know how to, it's just a skill. Yeah. It's okay. Courage is a skill, right? Not managing to fear is a skill. All these things are skills that can be learned if you have leaders that are willing to work with them on it. Love it. All right. Could not agree more. So I want to thank everyone today. Thank you so much to our panelists for coming today. We so appreciate your insights and time. And thank you to all of you for coming out so very early in the morning. We've really appreciated having you here. We hope that the insights that everyone has shared with you has given you at least one small thing to take with you. I hope many more than that. And we look forward to seeing you at our next event. We'll keep you posted as that develops. And thanks again to Diana for a great idea for a topic. And, um, and we just want everyone to make it a great day. And remember to always expect great things from everything you do. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Doing Good Business, designed to bring out the best in you and your company. We welcome your reviews and ratings and would love to hear from you. Send your comments, suggestions, and questions through our online form at doinggoodbusiness.com. Stay in touch with us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. The Doing Good Business Podcast is brought to you by Laura Heacock of Laura Heacock Consulting for all of your coaching and talent acquisition needs, and Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, helping you incorporate the social business paradigm into your company. Learn more about us and our respective services at the Doing Good Business website. Thanks again for listening, and remember to expect good things from everything you do. 